This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the usually Thursday show where I have a conversation with someone in the food world I think you'll want to learn more about. He is the co-founder of Leaf and Grain, a restaurant with two locations, soon to be three. Dietz Hoffman, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for doing this. Start at the start at the beginning because I, I know it's kind of part of your personal story that that when you were in high school, you were voted most likely to own a restaurant. Is that is that do I am I recalling this properly? It's actually a bit more bizarre. Uh, the so well, I guess to go back, I um, when I was in high school, I was I was doing college visits, seeing some schools up in Philadelphia, and I've encountered a, a Philly cheesesteak cart. And at the time, you know, that was, that was uh, early two thousands food trucks were not a thing. Uh, certainly not like they are today. And I was blown away by this concept. I mean, there were like 30 people in line to get a cheesesteak. And so when I came back to Houston for, uh, from that college visit, I wouldn't shut up about this, this uh, sandwich cart. And, and I just kept talking about it and I was obsessed with, with the idea and my, my friends, I think um, exhausted from that, put that as my, as my in 20 years, super, you know, in 20 years on my superlatives page of our, of our uh, high school yearbook, mine says CEO of a chain of sandwich shacks. Um, I think as a, (laughs) yeah, I think as a means of trolling me more than anything else. And then, um, but the, you know, my, my passion for being in the food industry remained intact and kind of went about my career with with this ultimate goal in mind and uh, eventually um after working in, in the restaurant invest investment space i um eventually left to, to start leafing grain and moved back to houston and that happened in 2016 and we opened opened the first one in 17 uh second one in 19 uh just in time for for the pandemic which was pretty wild because the first two were both in, I mean, the only locations we have when the pandemic started were in downtown. So that was uh, a pretty, well, just scary time. Uh, and then opened the third one in, in West University at the end of 2021. And um, and then, and then as you mentioned, we, we've got a fourth one coming up in the, the Tanglewood Galleria area, um, which should open in, in the first quarter of, of 2024. So, well, you, you very succinctly sort of laid out the, the entire uh, program for the next like 20 minutes of conversation we're going to have. So, so tell me a little bit about kind of how you went from being a high school senior obsessed with the idea of a sandwich cart to, to a professional career in the restaurant business. Like what did you prior to leaf and grain, what, what were you doing? Yeah. So um, after I graduated college, I went and worked in consulting and in, in management consulting and got a lot of exposure to consumer analytics and, and consumer research and, and kind of how to get into the mind of, of a customer. Um, 
and then shifted from there into uh, restaurant and retail private equity up in New York. And New York is really where the, these kind of healthy, fast, casual concepts, that was that was like the epicenter for, for these. And so when I was up in New York working in, in restaurant investments, at my desk, I was looking at a different restaurant concept every day. And then at lunch, I was going and eating at, uh, at the time, just salad, chopped, and a number of these other folks. And um, and it, it occurred to me that in Houston, this this type of thing did not exist beyond Salada. Salada has been here for a long time, but it's slightly different. Um, and it, And so I just felt like this, there was a need for this in Houston. And I felt like between, between my my work and just being kind of a, a target customer for this concept, I, I feel like I had a pretty uniquely informed viewpoint. And so left my job, uh, yeah, at the beginning of 2016 and moved down. I'd never worked in a restaurant, actually. I thought it was going to be really easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it has a way of, of humbling you. So prior to opening Leaf and Green, did you like, did you work anywhere to like kind of prepare yourself for like the day-to-day prep and hustle of being in a restaurant? I should have. Um, I thought about going to work for like Chipotle or something for a month. I think that that would have been very insightful, but I was concerned about that potentially being some sort of, you know, corporate corporate espionage type scenario or somehow, <laughs> or they would, they would somehow in the IP to leaf and grain. And so I just said, Oh, it's, I mean, I, you know, I've looked at these things on paper. It can't be that hard to operate. Um, and I was completely, as you said, it, it's a very humbling experience being in this industry. And and kind of from from the get go, when we opened in 2017, the lines are out the door. So we kind of had to, it was sink or swim, just trial by fire, trying to keep up with demand. Um, and it's yeah, humility has been seared into the back of my skull. So, all right, well, tell me a little about those early days and kind of getting your sea legs under you, because, or or maybe just maybe just describe the overall concept in a little more detail, maybe for people who who haven't been the leaf and grain yet. Yeah, so leaf and grain is predominantly we sell salads and grain bowls um, in in kind of a Chipotle style format. So somebody somebody comes up and orders at the counter, and we you know about half the time we our our team member will make the food directly in front of you. Um, and I would say, whereas like the old school salad bar model is you know unlimited ingredients, fully customized uh, everything. We have a, a set of about a dozen pre-designed menu options. And uh, and so most most of our customers order from that menu. And then you go down the line and um, and then each one of those is paired with its own dressing, um, which or- originally all the dressings when we opened were all my mother's uh, recipes. Um, so that's some of the, some of the kind of stalwarts of the of the menu are, are still from her original um uh, dressing rollout, but, um, and then, and then about half the other, half the customers order ahead online and then they just come and pick it up off a shelf. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about the, the format. And then we, we recently, you know, as we started out, we immediately got demand for catering. Um, and then we found people were like, well, do you guys have sandwiches? And so, you know, early on in, in a business, you, you kind of want to accommodate everybody. So we were like, yeah, sure. We have sandwiches um, and and just rolled out a sandwich menu. And, you know, that's 2017. So we're, I guess, six years ago. And over time, we, we spent more time tweaking those recipes and developing those and getting the protocols in place. And then finally, 
um, about kind of mid mid this year, we rolled out sandwiches on the core menu at our at our non downtown location in, in Westview. So uh, it's been you know it's kind of an evolving. Uh, it's, it's it's like a living breathing organism, uh, but but that's kind of where we are today. Right. So I guess go back to kind of those early days. You said you kind of got your you kind of got it handed to you by by the crowds. What did you what did you learn in that first year? What what made you? Because I mean, it's kind of sink or swim, right? Like if you don't if you didn't get your sea legs under you pretty quickly, you you wouldn't have stayed in business very long. Yeah. Well, I think. What happened was the uh, the labor market was at the beginning of, of you know now looking back we've had a, a historic run in, in the labor market and um, you know the unemployment rate for instance has not been this low this consistently ever uh, the only two other times when when the labor market has been this tight has been during U.S.'s peak involvement in, in the Vietnam War and uh, the Korean War so these are kind of like war times as, as far as um, the, the labor market. And we opened up and we had, um, we were paying way above minimum wage. Um, and so I thought, okay, you know, we'll, we'll open up the doors. And I left kind of about a month of time to, to hire everybody up. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we've got two days before we're supposed to open and we don't have a full team. Um, so we just opened the door. I mean, it was like both my parents, I think my sister, maybe a friend or two were all back behind the counter uh just filling in filling in the gaps because like i said it was you know we opened the doors and 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 there really truly was demand for that you know there was kind of a gap in the market for what we were doing and so um we were just trying to do everything we could to, to keep up and then friday would roll around and um me and and at the time my my only other uh partner in the business was edward uh edward thompson he and who's still with us but um he and I would, you know, Friday would come around and we would look at what the prep list for next week. And, you know, every, all the other team members would be out by five. And then we'd say, okay, like, what do we got to do? And we'd knock out 15 cases of raw chicken and, um, you know, two, three cases of cauliflower. I mean, it was like work until 9 PM and then knock out all the dishes that had not been done and probably leave, leave the restaurant around 1230 AM on Friday after getting in at 630 AM. Um, and so that was on repeat for, I mean, the better part of a year and a half, just, I mean, just drinking from a fire hose, um, which was, I mean, there were some dark, there were some dark times um, at that point. But I think it, one benefit from that is it, it exposed us to every single nook and cranny of the operation. You know, if somebody, if somebody comes in and says, well, it's not possible to cut a, a case of chicken in this amount of time, we can say, well, it, that's, you know, I know that's not true. Um, and so, you know, what's, what's been maybe the one silver lining of, of, of that situation is that we really do have a, a firm grasp on, on every single aspect of, of the business. Well, and I also think there's like a kind of a component of leadership, right? Like you, you're never going to ask anything. You're never going to ask an employee to do anything that you haven't done personally many, many times. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you sort of spent a year and a half kind of getting your hands around around the business. I mean, what what sort of allowed you to get to a, a point of stability? Was it was it just staffing or was it experience or or how did you how did you get to a point where you finally felt like, okay, we can we can grow this thing and at a second downtown location? I think the number one thing is developing kind of a, a high level strategy for for the company uh and which has stayed which has stuck with us to to this day. Um and it 
and that is, it, it's very simple. Leaf and Grain's uh, approach to business is people first, then product, then everything else. And so we really prioritize the team. We've been paying $15. Well, now we pay significantly higher than this, but we were paying, uh, you know, $15 an hour starting 2018, which at the time, especially in, in Texas, was I mean, way above market. So we prioritized the team. We made sure to give everybody really great training. Um, you know, we've we've always really cared for our team. And eventually you, you, you do those things, you prioritize your people and um, and they like working. You know, they, they like working with with um, a company that, that cares about them. And so, um, you know, they'll, they'll rise to the occasion. And that's kind of what happened in that, in that period. And so at a certain point, we had we had enough confidence in our in our existing team to expand to another location. And unfortunately, it's like an eight minute walk from the first one. So, you know, we're regularly running. I mean, sometimes sometimes literally running from one to another. Um, and so that gave us a little bit of of confidence there. But, you know, what I think our biggest learning has been people first. You can get into to the restaurant business and think it's all about food. And to a certain extent. That's certainly a. A big part of it, but if you don't have the people who care about doing things the the right way and and care about the customer experience, um, you, you can't succeed. And so that that learning has been something that stuck with us. I mean, every single week, I you know today's Monday. Well, I guess yeah, every single week. Yeah, we're recording. Yeah. People people know we record these on a Monday. It's fine. Okay, good. Yeah, um, but like I get in, I get into work. I I start my week by saying, okay, like people first. How are we on our team? How are we looking? Um, how's you know how's how's the morale? Um, and then from there, I look at our product strategy and try to determine, hey, what are we trying to work on here? Am I putting enough resources against that? But it's always people first, and that's and that's really been a, a, a helpful guide for us. All right, and and then talk to me a little bit about the core menu because, like you said, most people choose kind of one of the set salads rather than than trying to build their own. So has it evolved at all, or or kind of how did you how did you come up with these? core menu items? Good question. It's definitely evolved. Um, we have some, some items that have been on the menu since, since we opened our doors. Um, but every one of them has, has changed in, in some way or another, and all the dressings have been tweaked over time. Um, you know, one thing that I think in this category, some operators can kind of fall short on is that they try to get, they get really focused on being healthy which is really important, of course, but then they forget about the taste component. And, um, and for us, like from the start, we've realized if you're going to be, if you're going to have a healthy product that is actually going to change people's lives and make them want to have a salad or a grain bowl instead of a cheeseburger, it has to taste, the, the taste is, is as important or more. Um, and so we, we've prioritized that. Um, and then the, um, the other thing is, I love food. You, you know, you can, you can relate with this at a, at a restaurant, like a, a T-Rex, for instance, those guys are trying a lot of things that are, I mean, that, you know, almost their mission is to, to do things that have never been done before and, and try really, really um, awesome kind of avant-garde uh, menu items and approaches to, to, to preparation. Um, we have, we have tried to do things like that at times and time and time again, we kind of learned that, what our customer really wants is like a fairway option, something they identify with, you know, a, a, a grain bowl take on a Greek salad, for instance. 
Um, and, and so we've, we found as we do something that's like a little bit, uh, too, too out there, too, too off the, the central path, um, customers like, ah, I don't really, you know, I'm kind of here for my reliable lunch slash dinner health option. You know, you, you can leave your compress or your, your, um, you know, your lacto fermented stuff off of <laughs> not really up my alley. Yeah. All right. And then, you know, as you said, you sort of, you had these two locations downtown, you know, lunch only very much catering to downtown office workers. And then you made the move to West U. Now all of a sudden you've, you've had a dinner. It's got to be a little more family friendly. So how did you, how did you make that transition? Yeah, that's a good question because yeah, the, the both downtown locations are only open Monday through Friday for lunch. Um, and there's almost no children downtown. So the first thing we did is we did, we, we added a, a children's menu, uh, which has been very popular um, and it kind of in, includes something where the kids can basically just pick their, it's like a bento box type deal. Uh, they can pick their ingredients, which has been great because I, unbeknownst to me, children really like to pick their, well, they like to make decisions. Um, so we, we, we had that, we added um, smoothies to the menu as well. And we also tried um, beer and wine with our menu. That that license is going to expire in about 30 days and I'm going to let it expire. It's it's turned out that people are just not coming to get a, a salad and, a, and an IPA. Um, so I thought it would work, but uh, it hasn't, hasn't really turned out. And then we, we started to add some more kind of hearty, warm dinner type dinner type options um, in, in the form of kind of some some plates and just heartier grain bowls. So that's that's been um, that's been a little bit of the the shift. But uh, as far as far as the menu offering there, but really just, I think, sticking to our core. Um, and that's, you know, that's been a recipe for success there. And then, as you mentioned, you know, you're you're working on a fourth location in kind of the Galleria, Tanglewood, Briar Grove area. How did you decide that that was the place for your next move? Good question. We, you know, so I, I grew up in um, kind of going back and forth to that area. It's right. It's kind of catty corner from Post Oak Little League, uh, the baseball league over there. Um, And so I've, and my parents live in that general area. And so anytime I go to visit them, I'm, I'm always looking for a a site because we've got, you know, as I, as I think about kind of core, this more central Houston, the non, non sub suburban portions of Houston, the two neighborhoods where I would want to be are kind of the West U area, which we have, and and then the Tanglewood Briar Grove area. And so we've been looking, we've been looking for that for a long time. And um, this location, which used to be the Zoe's on, on San Philippi, um, it, it came on the market and um, our, our broker office is like a, a block away. And he saw it and he was like, Hey, you, we should get on there. And so we got in right when the window opened basically. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited. That's, that's where I just, I spent so much of my childhood in that area. And, um, and there's a ton of our kind of, um, target demographic. And so, um, I think, I think it should be, I think it should be a hit where I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm apprehensive, um, just kind of getting giddy a little bit. I think it's probably a better description for it. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of have your, your, you know, your West U, your kind of St. John's Episcopal location. And so now you've got your, uh, your Kincaid location. I think you're, you're covering all your bases. I hope so. Yeah. We're, we're, we're really excited and, and, uh, build outs kind of starting as, as we speak. So, yeah. So kind of what can people expect? I mean, you know, from this new location in terms of 
design or layout or, you know, pretty similar to the Westview store or how's that going to go? Yeah, it's um, it's it's very similar to the Westview store. Um, we are we are using uh, Gen Design Group on on the design for this one, and it's um, it's it's a little slightly bigger than the West University location, um, just because they're sometimes at Westview we're bumping up against this situation where they're, we're like completely out of seats um, in in the dining room, and so I was like, well, you know, we I guess we need to get a little bit bigger. So so this one's going to be a, a little bit on the bigger side. Um, the menu offering will be the same. And, um, although, you know, with the benefit of, of hindsight, um, from the, from the most recent location, we're able to, to customize our, our kitchen to accommodate some of these new menu offerings. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really about, about the same. Um, it's got some really high ceilings, which, which has, uh, which I'm kind of interested to, to navigate and see how we make that. Uh, work without being too big box retailer e, but yeah, you know we're we're kind of sticking to our bread and butter on on this one and and just really excited for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned Gin Design Group. I mean, it's a salad, you know, a, a salad restaurant that's kind of mostly for to go at least certainly downtown is it's not maybe like the coolest you know restaurant in the world, but but like. You, you know, you're sort of punching above your weight, like in terms of your coolness factor, right? You're you're working with Jen on the new store, and you've done all these fun chef collabs with with different people from the community. So, so maybe maybe just kind of talk about kind of how you built those relationships and kind of how you've you've integrated yourself into the restaurant scene because you've you've got kind of a fun niche, I think. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like when when I one of the things I was most excited about when I left my job to start Leaf and Grain was kind of getting into the the culinary community. I kind of thought it was like you uh, you just enter the industry and then you're like boys with these mega impressive chefs. And that's it turns out that's not how that goes. Uh, and especially not for the like daytime only uh, downtown uh, salad and grain bowl operators. And so for the first for the you know, the, the cool guys were like the UB preserve guys, you know, working work until. I don't know, 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. And, and getting off and and having the, you know, the the, the cool, um, you know, friends at other other restaurants. And so it took us a long time to um, kind of break in. And um, I think I think during COVID that brought just the whole community a lot closer together. And there was really this initiative to to support each other. And that's where you, where we've seen a lot of these collabs. I think become so popular. It's just that everybody wanted to support everybody. And and so I started to meet people at, you know, I would go to, I went, I think the, the first thing where, where I really met some, some of my better friends now was at one of these original, one of Johnny's gold brick, um, one of their original, the steak nights, this fancy chef steak nights. Um, and that's where I met a, a few folks and, um, you know, we've, just through going to support each other, you, you know, you, you meet more people and more like-minded people. And, um, and eventually we started to do our own collabs. Um, and that's been, I mean, that's been amazing. That's, that's like, you know, I feel, I feel like finally we've, we've met some, some, um, some friends in the industry, um, that are like, I mean, just like you said, punch, you know, we're, we're kind of punching above our weight in that some of these chefs, I mean, Nick Wong, for example, uh, to, uh among very many others, um, is like, you know, we, we joked in 2017 about like, man, what if one day we like 
we could do a collab with Nick Wong and it was like, LOL, that would never happen. Um, and so now getting to work with these folks and, um, you know, try and try and support their, their projects and, and what, you know, their th- other things they're working on, like, you know, Victoria Alessandro, we did a, a collab with her recently and, and we've been sourcing all of our tortilla chips from her and um, kind of promoting her, her cookbook and stuff. And um, it's just, it's a really fun thing to be able to do. And it's something that's a privilege to be able to, to do just working in this industry. And, and we've gotten to meet some really exceptional people as part of that. Yeah. So do you have a wish list? I mean, do you have other people that you're, you're kind of angling or that you've reached out to that you're hoping will, uh, will come in and do a sandwich or a salad with you? Oh man, I, there are certainly people on my wish list. I, I wouldn't want to name them before I've reached out. And right now I'm kind of in, in build out mode, but you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's some, there's some really amazing people. But I think that if I, if I message them, they would just be like, who's, what is leafing grain? So maybe, <laughs> maybe when we get another, maybe one more location and we'll be uh, doing that. But yeah, but there's, we definitely want to continue doing that. I think that's one of the most fun things that we get to do. And uh, the team always loves it also. And, so definitely. All right. Let me, let me just ask you one, one thing personally for me, you know, every time I come in, I'm, I'm good for a bowl of tortilla soup. So what is, what is the secret to an excellent tortilla soup? I think just like anything else, it's, it's balancing, balancing the flavors and, you know, having, having the right balance of, of uh, acidity and umami and the, you know, sodium levels. And that's, that's what growing up in, in Houston, I mean, I always loved a good tortilla soup and, just like all the other, you know, you try it. Okay. This needs a little more of this. This needs a little bit more of this. And, um, I think just, we did it to accommodate the one thing we found out about West U is, or that kind of non-downtown is how much weather affects things, you know, on a, on a cold day in downtown, people are still at 72 degrees pretty much. Um, but, but in, in a neighborhood environment, if it's cold, people don't want to go out and get a salad. If they're leaving their house, they want something heartier and warmer. And so we added, we added tortilla soup as a way to just accommodate that. And, you know, I, I don't want to say by accident, but we just happened to to develop a, a t- tortilla soup that I'm really proud of. I mean, it was maybe my favorite thing on the menu. Um, and, uh, but yeah, what, what this, what's the secret sauce? I don't know. Just, we just keep, we kept tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it until it was pretty good. All right. Well, I, I don't want, I know, I know you probably don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but you know, you have two locations downtown. You've got West U. Tanglewood is coming. Uh, what's the vision? I mean, do you have a sense of, you know, in the next five years, I'd like to have five locations or ten locations, or because it it certainly seems like there's a market for for what you've created. Yeah, I mean, I, what I always say is like one one salad at a time. Um, you know, er, early on, I kind of set this path of we're going to open up this many locations in this amount of time, and then got uh, and then COVID happened. So you know, we we kind of just try to do what's appropriate and in terms of expansion, you know, I'd I'd love to have in the next five years, I'd love to have 10 locations. Um, But, um, and, and, you know, there's people always talk about the risk of like, well, you know, if you expand too fast, that's how people stub their toe. But, but there's also a risk, especially in our category where we're going up against like billion dollar companies of there's a risk of not growing fast enough because there's so many benefits to scale and, and having, you know, with each additional location, you can kind of add one more person to your quote unquote corporate team or, you know, whatever you want to call that. And, um, you know, right now I think about all the things on my plate, you know, I've, I focus on probably 12 different areas for our business. Those 12 areas get a fraction of, you know, get, get one twelfth of me. Whereas 
you know, one of these larger national competitors that that come in have, you know, 10 people for each of those things. So, you know, we, we want to, we're, we're big on, um, responsible, responsible expansion. And, um, one thing I didn't touch on earlier is we, one of our kind of our, our overarching mission is to become a hundred year company. And, um, I think if, if you want to do that in our particular category, um, you, you do have to continue to expand because of the amount of competitive advantages that that these larger players have. Well, yeah, let me, since you brought it up, I mean, you are in this this space with a business model that's that's quite a bit like Sweet Green, which is kind of this this juggernaut. I mean, how do you sort of, you know, how do you sort of compete with, you know, these these companies that are just, you know, loaded with a ton of VC money and and presumably a lot of advantages when it comes to identifying real estate and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, that was something I was terrified about when the, the, you know, the first time I heard that one of these larger national competitors was coming to our, to the market. Um, and what I've found is, you know, there's a really great Jeff Bezos quote uh, from the early days of Amazon, where he talks about how these larger competitors, like a, like a Walmart, for instance, have huge advantages, but, but as a smaller business, what you do have is you have a lot of small advantages and you, you know, collectively, if you weave them together, you can create a rope that is stronger than any one large advantage. And in our case, what we've been able to do is like, you know, we've got three locations every single day, at least one manager, probably an average of two managers or not, sorry, at least one owner, uh, probably an average of two owners will be in that restaurant checking every single ingredient. So like you just can't beat that level of, of passion for for the business. Um, and whereas, you know, a larger competitor is certainly not going to have the founders in there checking on the, the coloration of the chicken thigh. Right. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they, they probably have stores they've never even been to, right. Like they'll, you know, I, I think they, they came for the opening of the first Houston location and then they, they may not ever come to Houston again. Right. Like, you know, they don't, they don't really care about us. You know, it's, it's like a real estate matrix that determines where they where and when they open. Yeah, that that's right. And I think, you know, there's also, like I said, there's there's big advantages to being large, but you know, people, especially coming out of COVID, they want to support a a local player. They want to support an an underdog. Um, you know, I don't I can't I don't know anybody who's not, you know, in on the all in on the underdog story. And there's a little bit of you know, this is the American dream. Like we, you know, I I left a, a really great career that I love to to chase something that was a childhood dream. And you know, people want to be supportive of of the local local underdog company and kind of in the fight against billion dollar national companies. So, um, you know, more than anything, I think it's just continuing in the same way that we're able to check in on our product. Um, you know, I'm also every time, you know, I'll bump into a, a team member and, and I, I know this person really well and I care about them and that, you know, I'm asking about their, their daughter and stuff there's, and, and so, you know, you have that, that same effect with, you know, in the same way that we're going in and checking each ingredient the team members, like we have a personal connection. I mean, tomorrow we're going to close all the locations uh, early to go do a Friendsgiving, um, you know, which is going to be a, a tight knit event. And, and we're excited. And some folks are bringing their, their, their kids with them. And um, you know, you, when you have that type of, of dynamic with your team, then they're also checking the coloration on the chicken thigh and, and making sure that you, you know, you're getting the right emulsion on, on the dressings and, and stuff. So it's um, you know, like, like I said, you, there, as a smaller operator, there's collectively, I think we have more advantages uh, actually than 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 the national players. And you, you just got to kind of know what to to focus on. All right. Well, 
Dietz, I do have to say that does bring me to the end of my questions. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? No, just uh, I'm really appreciative of you having having me on, Eric. Uh, I, I love listening to your to your podcast, and so this was a thrill to to hear you do the. Uh, just for anybody listening, Eric does the the intro individually for every single one of these. I kind of thought maybe you, you pre had a pre canned. Uh, uh intro but no no we're we're homespun here i i do it i do it live every show yeah which is why sometimes i stumble over it or it changes a little bit man well that was that was like a cool i was like man this is like an out-of-body experience getting to be on the podcast and watching eric do the, the lead-in and uh i i only missed the music but I'll, I'll hear it when i listen to the, the thing yeah the, that the music does come in later all right so well then then you know how this goes deeds before i let you go we have to play the lightning round Awesome. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Dietz Hoffman, what is your favorite ingredient? Human. <laughs> what is what is your what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Rolling Stones. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Hakeem. Everybody says Hakeem, but it's it's you gotta do Hakeem. I'm waiting for my first CJ Stroud at this point, right? Like I'm I'm waiting for someone to get swept up in the moment. All right. What is what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Honey butter chicken biscuit from Whataburger. That's a great answer. And then finally, what is the new restaurant that you haven't been to yet but are dying to try? This is a cop-out because I've been to the original Street to Kitchen so many times and I love it, but I have not been to the new Street to Kitchen. And uh, so I can't wait to go to the new one. Yeah, you got to go. It's it's, a, it's an all-new experience. So there you go. That, that definitely counts. Uh, Deets, give us the... The website and the social media uh, for Leaf and Grain. Website is E-A-T-L-G, eatlg.com. And uh, Instagram is at the Leaf and Grain. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.